Hello, friends. Welcome to the Dimension of Our Midnight Cake. I'm Soltis. Joining me in the nexus between realities is my friend and fellow transdimensional being, Lumberdor. Beaches and Doug both had things that they needed to take care of in their own dimension, so it'll just be the two of us this week. Recently, we had the release of the second season of Kid Cosmic, which has become one of my favorite shows on Netflix. As you may remember, Kid Cosmic is an animated superhero television series created by Craig McCracken of Wander Over Yonder and Powerpuff Girls fame, among several other shows that he's worked on. It's illustrated in a retro 2D style that's inspired by classic comics such as Dennis the Menace and The Adventures of Tintin, but it follows a, a group of unlikely superheroes who come together to fight the forces of evil. And in the second season, the local heroes are transported into space and have to go on a quest to find the other eight stones of power and fight against Erodius the planet killer. Be prepared because there will be spoilers in this conversation. If you enjoy what we do and would like to contribute in some way or get in touch with us, consider visiting our website at ourbenightcake.com. I really enjoyed it. I think I think I enjoyed it as much as the first season, but maybe for different reasons, I guess. I know what you're talking about with that, because I've, I've experienced the same sort of thing where, you know, with the first season, everything's getting set up and you're getting exposed to these characters and how the world works and the story and and the cosmic stones of power and and everything. And then this is the continuation of that. Yeah. And they focus more on Joe instead of, on kid which i think was a was a nice decision narratively since yeah. she was named the leader at the end of the first season it's the same but different and i, I like yeah. that <laughs> i like too the um it's still despite having all the powers it still goes back to the focus being on the group you know it's they go through all these different battles and in, even throughout the first season they continually kind of doubt themselves and even though they have all these awesome powers, but it, it, it always comes back to the group and how the group's working together as a whole. And if they're doing the right thing and looking out for each other. Yeah. Um, and on that note, I, something that I, I wish that, that the second season would have done a little bit more was include the rest of the group. Um, yeah. Where, where, you know, you do have Papa G and Rosa and, um, and even just the the diners that <laughs> some of the patrons at the yeah, diner. So, yeah, yeah. So some of the patrons of the diner fry and hamburg they they have a larger part in this uh, yeah which i thought was fun uh the, the cooks <laughs> but like with, with papa g and rosa they, didn't, they really didn't seem to contribute a whole lot or, or do very much the yeah. same for i can't think of the alien's name who was um antagonizing kid the whole first season he just popped in and out of the kitchen oh yeah stuck chuck. He, he, yeah stuck chuck he barely had any part in this, which I, I kind of, I hate it. I love, I love that character. I hate no, he was a fantastic character. Chuck. Just, you know, just making fun of kids. He's trying to be a superhero. You yeah. suck at this. You're going to fail. <laughs> but to have that, that foil, that was, that was yeah. nice. And I, I agree. I, I think that, that his character was wasted for this season. I get why maybe they didn't use him as much just since they were focusing so much on Joe and her 
second guessing herself, you know, I don't think it would have necessarily the same impact as it did on kid, but I mean, he had made fun of them all. So I don't know why they didn't make his part bigger. <laughs> I guess just that he was grateful to them and being their friend now, but still he could, he could still be a jerk and be funny though. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they did do that though, with kind of the end episode of this season uh, where they brought back a lot, a lot of the characters they ended up, either side characters you ended up seeing in the restaurant or people they had adventures with throughout the episodes, they end up bringing those back in the end to help as well, which was a little bit surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was kind of a nice, almost like a, like a curtain call. Yeah. For for everybody, just bringing everybody in and giving them a part to play in the battle against Erodius. I like the uh, armada of uh, Winnebago's, like oh, souped yeah. up Winnebago's. <laughs> all this, the, all this space Winnebago's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Erodius and uh, what was the other guy's name that was collecting all the stones? Phantos. Phantos, yes. Phantos the Amasser. Sounds like a mislabeled Fanta drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did like his character a whole lot, though. He was this. He was really this kind of like teenage, I think his flow that called him a teenage man boy. And yeah, um, yeah. He, he was a like a super powered super geek. Um, yeah, super <laughs> geek fanboying out whenever Rodius was around. Rodius, the, the planet killer. I totally expected to have more personality, but it was literally just a planet just sucking everything up nearby it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I guess it was hard to attribute motive to the planet killer as far yeah. as being malevolent or it, it was just going along doing its thing. And, yeah. and then you have Fantos who lives with his mom and yes. has all of these, all of these collectibles for, for Erodius, for Erodius. trying to collect the stones of power <laughs> in his, uh, in his battle suit that looks kind of like, uh, like Galacticus. Yeah, it looked like Galacticus morphed with a power glove, basically, um, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed. Right. And uh, also, I did, at first, when they showed his mom, I didn't know if she was like a minion kind of henchman character or something. Well, yeah, and that, that's what it kind of, uh, yeah, what they it, led off with. Like like he was this this powerful yeah. warlord or something. And then you find out that that little thing running around his ship is his mom. <laughs> which driving is, him is around. Fantastic. And- <laughs> she never says anything hardly at all except just like mummers to, to herself occasionally and mm-hmm. um, slowly throughout each episode you can see her getting a little more annoyed with him and then threatening <laughs> to kick him out basically and uh which she does at the end um, yeah just he, teleporting all of his stuff and collectibles and yes <laughs> onto erodius's surface <laughs> i did like the scene where uh where phantos he had you know accomplished his deed of and this goal of collecting all the stones and then he he wants to he just wants to enjoy it so he he pulls out the lawn chair and plops it down is just sitting on a rodeo just watching everything getting destroyed in its path i like that little little scene <laughs> i don't know if you watch this with your kids but i've watched it with my girls and they thought that one of the funniest things it was just just a small thing but every time phantos would talk about a rodeus, and he yeah. would just just rear his head back and and shake and scream, Erodius! <laughs> just the way he did it, my girls cracked up. <laughs> That's great. Now my boys have started watching it, but they 
I don't know how far they've gotten into it. And they were having to do chores while I was watching it. So <laughs> as well, they should. Oh, <laughs> uh, but the art style is fantastic. The music is excellent. The characters and, and the script is very entertaining. The, the situations that they find themselves in and the growth that the characters go through is satisfying and fulfilling, I think. Oh, yeah. I, every character, too. It's like even the minor characters have just enough growth to keep that character going. And then, like, the stuff with Flo and the Queen, I wasn't sure exactly where that was going, if the Queen was going to end up kind of betraying everyone, but it ended up being... Oh, the, the girl from the pit. I can't remember anybody's name. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> crusher, something crusher or killer. I don't know. So what you're talking about with um, with Flo, or not, not, not Flo, sorry, but Joe, Joe. being the, the leader of the team, and she's struggling to actually lead the team and bring everybody together. And she's constantly second-guessing herself about what it means to be a good leader. And so Queen Jean takes her under Queen her Jean, tentacles yeah. and and takes Joe as her protege, trying to mold her into this effective leader to bring this team together, to take down Erodius, the planet killer, and save the galaxy. With that, you see the tension between Queen Jean and Joe's mother, Flo, who is trying to continue to be a mother and a mentor yeah. as well. And they're constantly referring to the, the um, little saying by her mother, Mo, on the wall about being kind. And um, oh, I can't the, remember the, the saying. The, but the secret recipe. Secret recipe, yeah. A, a teaspoon of kindness and a cup of this and... Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm going to have to look that up now. I don't it's basically like a, a Mr. Rogers quote, basically. <laughs> It keeps getting pulled back in, and it, of course, it takes Joe the entire season to grasp onto that idea because she's constantly fighting against herself. I really enjoyed um, episode two. That was kind of the, like a Tron-like episode where they're trying to like solve these puzzles inside this giant like pyramid thing. Oh yes, <laughs> I, I thought that was great. Just all the references, I think, to Tron and the music and everything, and then all along with building the character of of um joe you know she's constantly rushing through things and her mother's like no we gotta take the time and do this properly but she keeps like taking these shortcuts to get there and then they get to the end of that inside the pyramid to try and get the stones and then her mom's like see we needed all these little keys to put in those little slots and, <laughs> and we don't all, have them because we you don't cheated. have them because you <laughs> cheat yeah um just a very good parenting thing is like see i told you so i loved how how Phantos was just this complete geek though like I, I just thought that it's not it's not just that it's kind of he's kind of like Thanos you know he's collecting all these stones of power it's not even about the power for him it's about mm -hmm. the fanboy experience to collect them all and to just be to have the same power as Rhodius but not necessarily have that power to destroy everything mm -hmm. it, it, it's just it's a great little twist on that. <laughs> it is. And that's one of the things that that attracted me to the series when it first came out. How it takes the standard you know, comic book tropes and superhero tropes and twists it enough to make it new and interesting and but still fun. Yeah. To watch. I really see a comparison in it in 
and Kid Cosmic and like um, not just the character, but the show in general and um, Spider-Man, like with how those Spider-Man comics and stories are all written. I see a lot of similarities and I think that's part of the draw is that you've always got this this underdog or team of underdogs and it's very family oriented and it's you know, it's they're constantly against these outcomes that are impossible, but somehow they just kind of make it through it each time. And, and get a little yeah, bit better, especially when you have uh, someone who's a pacifist like Papa G. Oh yeah, who's a part of the tr- the team, and, <laughs> and and Joe is trying to teach them all how to fight. And, yeah, they got that you know, episode to get ready where to, they to beat up Rodius. Trained. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he convinces everybody to get, instead of fighting to go help in the restaurant for the oncoming patrons that are fixing the land, which are super tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great bit of cinematography where they're using the close-ups like they've been doing throughout the episodes but then they the the um refugees land and they're like thimble size Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's this whole yelling match of between them trying to understand each other which is just great yeah it's (laughs) i mean when you see something you know usually like uh uh, like like the borrowers or you know the Thumbelina or Arietti, which based on the borrowers, yeah, and and they speak and it's the same volume, but here they demonstrate the practicality of something being the size of a thimble, trying yeah. to communicate with something you know our size, <laughs> and, and, and then they turn that into a pretty good joke as well, ongoing with just the size comparisons and um, trying to put them. Um, up and in, in safely in a spare hotel room and all this stuff and uh, their whole civilization stri- can yeah. fit into a hotel room and <laughs> survive on one space burger and fries mm-hmm. combo <laughs> it's very clever and it's I, I know i keep going back to this but it's fun to watch it's fun it when, is. and when, when you see these twists on things and and how they solve the various problems and i'm not so surprised by it with um craig mccracken working on it and you know coming up with the show i feel i feel that way about a lot of his shows there's a lot of heart to them there's a lot of like family oriented stuff there's um it's not always just just fighting even when there's fighting there's a purpose to it you know mm-hmm. there may be a lot of cool scenes going on and there's all these battles but there's always some other like meaning or story behind it instead of people well, just fighting yeah like at the end of the season when all hope seems lost and it's it's because of flo's kindness to all of the denizens of the galaxy that yeah. they find out that oh the oasis is in trouble and because of this kindness or because of this action that that Flo had taken, they're all rallied together to go help save the day. Which to me, there was a lot of similarities in um, kind of that final episode and of this season and the uh, the last Star Wars movie that we had talked about previously, just with like the <laughs> Armada showing up. And this, to me, Kid Cosmic shows how to do it properly. Oh yes, um, with <laughs> versus that final Star Wars film, <laughs> because oh. they they followed the storyline. They followed all these characters that they build up consistently, and there's a real reason to come together instead of just being like, "There's this one old guy that's been around forever." And he's like, "Yeah, I know a few people," and then they just show up. Yeah, it's because they care about the people that are involved in the battle and they want to help them. It's something that's been set up. <laughs> yeah 
yeah, like it's it's a great example of the of the setup and payoff that I am so fond of. Yes, <laughs> and that takes place, <laughs> and that's the kind of that's a reoccurring thing with the season. Also, is uh, setup and payoff. You have the, the groundwork laid for the friction between Queen John and Flo um, and Joe being caught in the middle. And then when when Queen John again is is injured and needs help and Flo saves her life, is like, well, but you hate me. It's like because I'm a nice person. Yes. <laughs> As she's so frustrated inside. She's so frustrated. <laughs> but she's not going to change who she is because someone yeah, else is treating her badly, right. which is something I see so much in daily life that just bothers me that, you know, people want to get revenge or just be hateful back because someone's hateful to them. And I, I love how this show is just the opposite of that. It's just treating each other with kindness. Yeah. That's, that's also refreshing. Yeah. It's really refreshing. And then one of my favorite things that this season did was at the very end where they're back on earth and after Erodius has been destroyed there's the revelation that Erodius is made up of or has all of these stones of power that it collected from the other planets yeah all of these stones are raining down on earth you know the earth is saved and everyone's happy and then the government shows up yeah <laughs> the PPG a PPG <laughs> <laughs> At first, it's like, oh, no, the biker in black is back. But then you have a woman with red hair, a woman with blonde hair, and a woman with black hair, uh -huh. <laughs> all voiced by the same phenomenal voice actresses who, who did the voices for the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I could have used there at the end was uh, a little bit of narration and then from the old narrator from Powerpuff Girls that the earth had been saved or something, you know, that, that would have been a nice little tie in as well. But I love that the, that throwback to the Powerpuff Girls. And setting up for the third season, which from what I understand will be the final season for the show. Oh. The local heroes are now the planetary heroes. Better make it official. Which leads me to something that I think this show does very well is uh, it addresses the the problem that so many shows have of power creep, where the superhero is the underdog because they need to defeat this huge threatening villain. If the villain is at the same level or weaker than the hero, then then there's no challenge, right? Yeah. So so the hero becomes more powerful than the villain to defeat the villain. And then there's another, like, more powerful entity that shows up. And then the hero has to become more powerful. And it just keeps going, going, going. Wonderful example of this is Dragon Ball Z. The characters are just ludicrously, outrageously powerful by this point. Well, that's why they spend 30 minutes yelling each episode to power up. So. That's right. <laughs> At least that's my charge, interpretation. Charge my same batteries. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sometimes uh, creators and writers will forget that that you can have the same kind of tension with different situations. It doesn't have to be the same exact situation over and over again. Like with the shift of focus from kid to Joe, now it's a whole new situation with whole new sets of problems and whole new uh, obstacles to overcome. Which I found great because... Wonderful. A lot of times when series like this, they shift the focus to one of the other characters, you lose some of that original feel of whatever that show had created initially on its own. I didn't really feel that at all with this show. It still, it still had the same themes. It still had the same impact overall. I mean, there was definitely character shift, like you were talking about, where you didn't see as much of uh, Papa G and Rosa, but it wasn't like they were just completely left out of the story. 
and they didn't have an impact at all. You know, they were still pulled in at the right time. So it made sense. And mm-hmm. so that even though you're focusing on these other characters, because it was written well, it made sense to the story and it, it carried along naturally. And it wasn't just, well, we want to focus on this character this season and forget about everything else we talked about last season, which yeah. happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> to the point of like you have characters that just kind of disappear especially as shows gain popularity or certain characters gain popularity with like long-running shows uh i think they're more susceptible to that as well i think you're right like yeah, just um, i can see that i'd see like uh, say like elmo is an example of that from like Sesame oh Street, my gosh yeah he was always you know like when we were younger he big bird was the focus he was the big he was literally the the main focus, and yeah, he was he, he was the, the the child. Yeah, and basically. but then at some point, you know, Elmo started to catch on, and it it all became the Elmo show for a while there. And that's something I still uh, you know, don't I, I still don't understand that. I I, yeah. I don't understand the the appeal of Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it, to me. It's I don't know where I'm going with this example other than that <laughs> other so, than sometimes the, the, the focus has shifted. <laughs> the focus has shifted and depending on how that focus shifts, you're gonna lose either part of your original audience or gain another audience, but a lot of times you're not gonna keep the main themes of whatever it is you created, I guess, is where I'm trying to get <laughs> with mm-hmm. that point. That's true. But anyway, I guess my whole point with that is that like um I think the writing is so good in this show it just skips over a lot of those typical problems you see in a lot of shows i guess that it, it really ties everything together very well depending on each episode and who the focus is on i'm still invested in every character no matter what's happening in each episode which is something rare i think nowadays for any show i am too each of these characters is a character and yeah. It, it's done very well. I think that one of the contributing factors to a tight story like this is that it is a focused story. You have um, you, you have so many episodes, and it's obviously planned out very well, where the creators know where they want to end up and how they want to get there, and they've plotted it all out. The character that ended up with the invisibility power was uh, Carl, I think, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he was a side character that nothing ever really happened to him but he was always kind of just there in the background and for him to end up with the invisibility power and come back and help is just perfect. But it also cracked me up is because it's just like, he was one of the few characters that had nothing going on. And then he's the one mm-hmm. that gets that invisibility power. <laughs> <laughs> Any subtle joke, it ties into the story and it, it's, it's so well thought out that it's, it's really just amazing. <laughs> With our previous episode, when we discussed the the first season, it, it's titled Kid Cosmic Future Classic. I think that holds true now as well. Oh, yeah. Like uh, this, is, this is going to be a classic TV show that generations can enjoy. That's the thing I was going to say. I can easily watch it with any of my kids, but it's one of those shows that you can just pick up on any episode, I think. And if you even don't know the previous story, it will get you hooked. So that you want to go back and see like how they got to this point, even if you don't understand why. This is every episode is fun. Yeah. Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our midnight cake. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself 
Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>